she turned to me in bed and said that she was having an affair. I still remember the way she said those words. I, uh, I'm having an affair. I remember the light shining through the window. I remember the smell of the bedroom. I remember my reaction of shock. Um, and it was a pivotal moment in my life. I'm Abigail Archery and this is Unshakable Stories, Unshakable Truths, where we talk to people about their faith and how it guided them through the best and worst of times, their missions and ministries that were perpetually born out of crisis and how God is using them today to make an unshakable difference. There has been much controversy between the church and the notion of divorce. Theologians for what has seemed like centuries have debated and disputed over the biblical landscape of what Jesus, Moses and Apostle Paul all said about divorce. But how can we as the Ecclesia Church, the body of believers, support those who are encountering divorce through no fault of their own or possibly on the brink of one? Here to discuss this and more importantly, share their own stories of God's redemption and amazing grace is Eric Hassenskill, who is the head of RestoredLives.org and Helen, Helen Bradley. Stay tuned, you won't want to miss this. Eric, let's start with you. Could you walk us through your testimony of how God directed your journey? which led you to becoming the head of Restored Lives? Um, it's, I suppose, a slightly long story. Um, I met Karen when I was uh, young. Uh, we immediately had a connection together. We laughed a lot. We uh, had similar interests and similar values. And uh, we went out with each other for about uh, four and a half years. And um, at the end of that, we, I proposed uh, and she accepted and we got married. We were very excited. We had a great relationship. We had a great marriage. And we were both from uh, Christian backgrounds. We were very active in the, in the Christian faith. Uh, it was a core part of our marriage. Um, and we, if you'd asked us both when we got married, we absolutely expected that we our marriage would last um, forever uh, then one day uh, in March a number of years ago she turned to me in bed and said that she was having an affair I still remember the way she said those words I, uh, I'm having an affair I remember the light shining through the window I remember the smell of the bedroom I remember my reaction of shock um, and it was a pivotal moment in my life when I suppose uh, things stopped and what I thought was a, a normal life uh, stopped and um, the, the story unfolded that she'd been having an affair for about six months without me or any of our friends knowing um, and it was uh, a, a dark dark place of, of not knowing what was going to happen uh, what had happened, suddenly what I thought was real um, had a, a different perspective, a completely different colour to it. And my, to be brutally honest, my, my life fell apart. I, I, 
I was lost in body, mind and spirit. So um, in my mental state um, uh, was all over the place. I couldn't concentrate at work. I, I didn't know what was going on, where to go. Um, physically, I was depressed. I probably drank too much. I uh, had to move from house to house. Um, I, I moved out of our home to stay with friends. And then spiritually, I had to ask, where was God in all this? What what was he doing? What was all this about? It wasn't what we spiritually had planned or thought about. So wouldn't he help to make it come back together again? And so fast forward, I suppose, it, she didn't get back together again with this affair, but she didn't want to get back together with me and our relationship ended and we divorced. And there was a number of uh, months, years where I, I had to start trying to put my life back together again. And I was so fortunate to have three or four people who came by my side and I, I still look back on them and I, I am eternally grateful for how they helped me, uh, put me into their house, uh, just uh, was there for me uh, in a difficult, dark place. Um, and I, I, I was fortunate to have uh, some good advice to, uh, to put my life back together again. And in that process, I've been able to, um, I didn't really want to, but because I, I, I suppose I didn't really want to go back to those dark days and talk about those dark days. But in my walk, there was a moment where um, someone was who had a course that was running, and I, I, I'd been on his course. He um, stopped doing it. He retired. He was a judge, and he wanted someone to help take it over. I, I, I picked it up, uh, and with the support and help of others, we um, basically created the Restored Lives. And through that, I've been able to come alongside others and help just in a small wave and see their journey recover uh, and it's it's remarkable what what how to how you can see someone go from their darkest moment their uh, uh, biggest crisis in their life sometimes and to to see that they can get out of that to to go through um, something that dark but come out on the other side actually with a restored life and it, it doesn't happen in a, in a day it doesn't happen sometimes over the course of eight weeks but it um it can happen and that's inspiring um and it's a great privilege to to be able to see that happen and that's what has kept me going really and, and that i keep going back and um and now it's part of my story to be able to uh, come alongside others and, and help others in the similar situation. Hmm. And also here to share her story, we've got Helen Bradley. So, Helen, tell us about your um, your testimony, your path, as it were, that led you to also becoming involved with Restored Lives. Yeah. Hi. Um. Well, I guess uh, similarly to. Eric, I thought I was in a happy marriage. I married my childhood sweetheart. We were together for nearly 14 years, actually. Married for just short of four of those years. 
Um, and when our marriage ended in 2009, it came as a complete shock to me. And although I tried um, very hard, I tried to get to go to uh, counselling and things. Um, my husband didn't want to try and um, rescue the marriage at all. Um, he uh, he also had an affair and um, wanted to pursue that relationship. Um, and I kind of limped on trying to um, work through it. Um, but by January of 2011, um, I was in a pretty bad, pretty bad place. Um, and uh, I was a non-Christian at the time. Um, so I didn't I didn't have a church community or church family around me. But there was a lady that I worked with who was a Christian. And um, she kept telling me about this course that her church ran, which is Restored Lives. I really, really did not want to go. Um, I felt like a real failure. I thought the last thing I want is to be in a room with a bunch of Bible wielding Christians that were probably going to judge me and make me feel worse and all of that. Um, but I was not in a good place. So I finally agreed <laughs> to go. Um, and she actually dropped me off uh, that that evening in a taxi outside the door and watched me go through the doors uh, just to make sure that I went uh, but um, what I found in that room was just amazing. Um, you know, I, I met a, a different breed of Christian, I suppose. I met Christians who um, weren't trying to sell any kind of agenda or anything. They just wanted to come alongside me in my hour of need. Um, and so I soaked up all the course content, um, loads of practical things. Um, but I also met people that were going through similar situations and um, just talking to them and talking to the leaders and helpers that had all been through divorce themselves, it was just a complete turning point for me. Um, and although the, the course isn't um, Christian in uh, content, just witnessing that sort of Christianity made me curious. And um, so after the course, I went on um, and did Alpha um, and ended up um, becoming Christian. So... Ever since then, I've been volunteering, um, come back and volunteer um, first in London, and then um, I moved away from London, so I now volunteer uh, down in Bournemouth. Um, although this year, as we've gone online, I've also been volunteering um, for that. Um, and I just have a real passion for the course and also um, making sure that we welcome everybody to the course and that people know it's for everyone of all faiths to come along and just that it's an amazing thing that churches can offer to their local community as well as their congregation. Fantastic. Let's just coming back to you, Eric. Um, what are the core values and I guess the overarching intention of the course itself? Um, the core values, I suppose, start from, I suppose it starts from a line in Isaiah 61 where Isaiah says to bind up the brokenhearted. And Jesus takes that as a little bit of his manifesto. And we love that line, to bind up the brokenhearted. Um, because what we've, we've seen and experienced is church is so ideally placed with all the tools and skills and knowledge and um, an ability to help people who are brokenhearted. You know, ultimately, our relationship with God is a, is a relationship. And, you know, that is the core part is actually about a broken relationship and becoming part of a relationship with God. And we, we have all the tools and skills. And so I suppose our intention is to package that 
in a way which helps someone in the deepest, darkest crisis that they might be in. And and I suppose the the core part, the core image of what we do is like the Good Samaritan, the story of the Good Samaritan, who's on the road to Jericho, um, uh, has a crisis, and and what we try and do is to be the person who comes to them, not not like the religious people of their day, uh, not to um, to judge or, uh, on anything at that level, um, but to pick them up and to put them in a safe place and to give them all they need to stand and then make the next great good choice for them without asking why were they on the road to Jericho or uh, what are they going to do next on their road to Jericho, but to give them everything they need to make their own next good choice. Um, and and how and our journey and what Helen's story is is that uh, amazing transformation in, from crisis to being able to stand and make good choices, and that's that's exciting to see. Yeah, indeed. What's one thing, Helen, you wished everyone knew about restoration? Gosh, that's a big that's a big question. Um, I think um, for me, it's. One of the things people often say to you is that you just need time, that time is the, the great healer. Um, but actually, I, I believe that it's the positive choices that you make that support your own recovery, your own restoration. You know, I, I certainly got stuck in a place where I was just waiting for time to catch, catch up with me. Um, but actually, I needed to do the work on myself. And that was, you know, that was a lot of what Restored Lives gave me. Um, the sort of tools to do that work um, so that I could heal and recover and, and reach that place of restoration. Eric, let's swing over to you in terms of assumptions. Um, what would you say are three typical assumptions Christians tend to make when an individual has or are currently going through the divorce process? Abigail, you're so right. There are so many assumptions out there or thoughts going in our minds when we meet a divorcee or someone says, I'm a divorcee. And I, and I think, uh, I don't know, some of them are possibly around that we all feel that were, were you serious about your vows? Did you try hard enough and, or pray hard enough or uh, have enough faith to, to make your marriage work? And I don't know, there's an assumption around that, that we expect you to everyone that you, you know just work a bit at it and it will be okay um or may, maybe it's, it's something like you know if you meet a divorcee maybe you think that they're a i don't know a, a dangerous advocate of divorce now um in in the church or in your community or sort of some um instigator of other people's divorces um what else or or, or i suppose Maybe the the thing that I've seen in churches, is, is, I suppose, as an operational assumption, is that we can't talk about divorce. We, we our focus is marriage, and and therefore because our focus is in, in marriage, and, and and that's my passion as well. Um, but because our focus is on marriage, we we shouldn't talk about divorce or 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 give divorcees um, a platform to talk about their situation because it's undermining of our work and I've, uh, you know that's for me and our experience is that it's quite the opposite of being able to help and restore to people who've gone through relationship breakdown actually it's 
it supports relationships it gives people relationship skills actually in some instances it helps better relationships in uh, a, a, a couple that are breaking up and for some people who've gone through restored lives course they actually look back and go back into their relationship to try and restore it um and but that's because we're all about relationships and teaching relationship skills so the reverse is the opposite of that assumption but i know that it's it's difficult to try and advertise or talk about marriage and divorce at the, in the, in the same uh place i suppose mm, 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 indeed let's take a quick break we write back after this top 3 takeaways divorcees can often feel prejudged as if they did something wrong which contributed to the breakdown of their marriage. Perhaps they didn't pray fervently enough or take their marital vows seriously enough. Divorcees can often feel isolated and viewed as advocates for divorce. The church has come a long way, but there seems to be this tension around providing a platform, a safe space to talk about divorce. As if there's this viewpoint by talking about divorce it undermines the church's stance on marriage. Today's verse of the day comes from the Passion Translation, and it's found in Psalms chapter 147, verse 3 to 5. He heals the wounds of every shattered heart. He sets his stars in place, calling them all by their names. How great is our God! There's absolutely nothing his power cannot accomplish and he has infinite understanding of everything. And now, let's return to Eric and Helen. So, all right, let's pick up on where we left off. Uh, we need to unravel the, the world of theology. Um, and I'm keen, really, I guess, to go down this path, Eric, or start with you. Purely because when you talk about, as you alluded before the break, as we talk about divorce and marriage, there is that tension in the body of Christ where it's considered that, you know, we are for marriage. We want to obviously bring the divorce rate down. The divorce rate is, is mirroring. It's synonymous with the world's divorce rate and all the th different things we hear in the news. How do you feel or how do you think God feels rather about divorce and his church? It's, um, it's such a big question. It's an important question because I think it, it's, it's something that we rely on. It's a sort of bedrock of understanding God and understanding the Bible. Uh, and at the heart of God, um, I suppose, is a relationship of, of three in one, of three people um, uh, in one, and a beautiful relationship where we are invited in. And anything that breaks that relationship or uh, any relationships is, is, is something that hurts God. And I think. Um, and I think so that we're passionate about um, good marriages and uh, and good relationships. What I think has happened sometimes in the church um, is that we can sometimes hold on to, let's say, one verse in the Bible and and lots of things follow from that. Let's say um, a verse in the Bible like uh, take Malachi 2.16, where it says that God effectively hates divorce. Um, and And I believe that. I think God does hate divorce. Um, I hate divorce, but there's sometimes when we take one verse, then it, it, sometimes people think that God hates divorcees. 
And that's not true. And there are key um, verses in the Bible, which I think we have to just uh, mull on. And people have greater uh, minds than mine have looked at it uh, and theologians across the world and come up to different perspectives. And I totally respect them and faith, Christian faith, have slightly different perspectives. And I, and I value that. And, uh, and I think that's really worthy for us to think about. Our own thinking on this is that we sort of have to hold the truth of, I suppose, that statement that God hates divorce. And Jesus, I suppose, reiterates that where he, uh, you know, he's, he's totally anti-divorce. Um, um, and, and that's what I call as, as a truth point. But also the other side of, of grace, of like Jesus um, giving an exemption, I suppose, for, uh, uh, for being able to divorce or uh, St. Paul uh, has an uh, exemption, but also even for um, God in, in Jeremiah chapter three, um, God divorces Israel. He, you know, he says, I gave, I gave faithless Israel her certificate of divorce, which in those days was a divorce and sent her away because of her adulteries. And even does that is the Bible really saying that God divorced Israel at that stage? Does he know what it's like to have something so big that means that you have to send Israel away? Uh, does he know about all those feelings? And I think that, that that's big stuff. And but that's that sort of speaks to the side of grace of um, that God is the God of second chances, the forgiveness of of knowing that um, there are some times when uh, divorce is, Jeremiah says, the, the option that must be taken. So we're in this balance of truth and grace, and ugh, it's an impossible balance sometimes. And, and I know for myself, you know, we, you know, how many times do you have to forgive? 77 times seven or more, or do I wait forever? Oh, these are hard, they're impossible things to balance. And I, and so what are we left with? We're, we're, we're left with this balance of truth and grace, and we, we have to hold on to it. Um, but, but ultimately, um, I think God sides often on the, the, the place of grace. And, and there's, you know, we could spend hours talking about this, uh, but, but I suppose that, I, I, I suppose if there's a balance to side on, it's the side of not being judgmental, of not seeing, because I have a, a big log in my eye, I can't be judgmental, and leaving it to God and, and knowing that he's a God of love and grace. Uh, and that's all that I can hold on to uh, at the end of the day. Powerful. I don't know if that's an answer for that you. That is very profound and true, because God is the God who gives second and often more than second chances, so we can begin again in him. Can you share with us one or two testimonies, testimonies from men or women who have experienced healing and wholeness, restoration as a result of coming in contact and connecting with the ministry Restored Lives? Gosh, yeah, there are. I mean, there are so many stories. I mean, Eric and I have, have shared a bit of our own stories. But just thinking about some of the people that I've met um, in the time that I've been volunteering, one lady sticks out in my mind in particular. Um, we, in the small groups that we have at Restored Lives, we try and mix men and women together. And that has a really helpful effect, um, often that it helps people see the opposite side, maybe, of their own situation, but through somebody else's situation. 
And um, I remember her saying at the end of the course that as a result of one of the men that she'd met in her group who was unable and struggling fighting for access to his children, she realised that she'd been sort of withholding her children from her ex as a way to sort of punish him. And she recognised that that was wrong and that going forward she was going to do everything she could to support her children in having an equal relationship with both of them. And for me, that was just a huge, amazing thing. Um, And I imagine the difference that that will have made um, in the children's lives, but also in this sort of um, father's life. Um, Just, yeah, incredible. I remember one um, guy who came on the course, uh, and his story was desperate. Um, He had a son who had attempted to commit suicide, failed, uh, was treated, but then sadly came out of uh, treatment and successfully committed suicide. It it was desperate. And he and his wife had found it just too difficult. Uh, She'd found it it was uh, way too hard for her. And she uh, decided that they had to divorce. Um, And this guy, let's call him Jonathan, his younger son um, was also having difficulty in his relationship with his younger son was so um, on edge. Uh, He came to uh, the Restored Lives course. I can remember him absolutely downcast and and, uh, I suppose black. You could see his face. And at the end of the course, uh, he he said these words, uh, which he wrote to us. I'll I'll read them. He he said uh, this. He said, I came feeling like it can't be for me. I know it all and I know what they're going to say, but I came anyway. And I was amazed to find such a nice group of people, a nice uh, group that I that I bonded with straight away. It was amazing. Now, at the end, I know that everything has changed. I am a restored person with a restored life. My younger son, my relationship with my younger son is restored and my ex-wife is restored as well. And you could see it in him. You could see his persona at the end. Uh, we have a sort of uh, celebration dinner, well, at least when we could face to face. And he, he had a lightness of spirit. He had a, uh, yeah, a lightness in his face rather than his darkness. And it was a um, painful journey, but uh, there was hope there. Mm, and that's, I think, what is the essence of God's heart to his people is that there is hope and we must continue to hope on in God. Uh, we discussed this in our pre-interview chats about how we're doing life a little bit different in 2020. How has um, the ministry restored lives and the course itself, how have you all adjusted during this season and what's been the impact, the good, the bad, the ugly in terms of um, the COVID-19 situation? Yeah, it's, it's been a real um, adventure, actually. Um, before COVID, we, we probably had um, the course running in about 40 different lo- uh, locations across the UK and some overseas as well, run by different uh, churches and things. And then suddenly we're confronted with everything um, locking down. So we decided to uh, move the course online. Um, there was sort of a core team of us that needed to work quite hard and quite quickly to sort of convert things online and one of our huge fears was that during the face-to-face course one of the things that we try to do is uh, relax people um, and get them to the point where they feel comfortable sharing their own feelings maybe a bit of their own story with each other because that's how they get the most out of the course Um, and we were worried about how are we gonna 
how do you do hospitality when um, you're just doing it online and you're not actually meeting with people and will people want to speak or, or not? But actually, it's worked incredibly well. We found that people still bonded with each other. There are still uh, small groups that are connecting and chatting over WhatsApp and Zoom, even after the course is finished, which is fantastic. We've also found that registrations for the course tripled, which I think is is partly to do with the fact that this is the course that nobody wants to come on. <laughs> it's the course that you think, oh no, my marriage has broken down and oh, I, I never saw myself going on a, a course to do with divorce. I don't really want to go. So as a consequence, people tend to leave it to the last minute to book. I don't know what it was about being online. I think it just removed that barrier for people a little bit. Um, they didn't have to go anywhere. They didn't, like me, they didn't have to be dropped off in a taxi on the first night. You know, I, I do wonder how many people have got to the car park of our course and never quite had the courage to make it through the doors. I'm sure it's happened. Whereas when people are sitting on their own sofa, they feel relaxed and, and comfortable. And actually, the conversations have flowed and been just as productive and, and helpful as they have been in, uh, in face-to-face settings. That is remarkable and very, very encouraging. Our time has been fast spent, <laughs> uh, very unfortunately, but... Um, I'm just, you know, immersed in in what God is doing with you all there at um, Restored Lives uh, and the course itself. In your closing final minutes, I'd like to open up the floor to the both of you to just share um, and minister in a way, as you've been doing throughout, what it is you'd like to leave, call of action. And of course, please do provide how people can contact uh, yourselves or the course online. Well, Abigail, thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, It's a privilege to be with you and you're doing amazing things. So thank you. I suppose for any Christian, let's say, who's out there, who doesn't know what to do with someone who's going through a relationship breakdown, I want to encourage them that there are tools and skills and we have a huge amount of resources available for them to be able to meet someone in crisis and to help them. I think it's do as much as you can for marriage and do more do as much uh, as much as you can but without helping people in relationship breakdown the statistics are very clear that children of divorce are more likely to be divorced themselves now that doesn't have to be the case but it's just representative that actually we need to help people who are going through relationship breakdown so that we can all learn and see the grace and the love to have better relationships, to restore relationships, to improve marriage. And the impact of that can really change uh, communities, not just people, um, families, but communities, because the impact of relationship breakdown is one of the possibly the biggest social uh, issue affecting our society today. And people don't see it anymore. We've sort of turned a blind eye to it. But the cost to the uh, in the UK, uh, to the UK taxpayer is about £50 billion, which is the same as the defence budget, uh, the same as a third of the NHS budget. It's massive. And the impact, the social impact is huge. And the people who have the best answer are Christians and churches. And, and that's why we're so excited, because the love and the support and the grace and the forgiveness and the tools that effectively every Christian out there has, can be a bridge to someone in crisis 
not just in your community in your church community but in the wider community bringing other people hope and love um and, and, and which is the story of helen i suppose of bringing people into the church it's a it's a bridge to the wider community and um and it's exciting it, it's a it's a desperate place to be but uh, i'd encourage people there are uh, the tools use the book uh, use the course uh, send people along because it it can transform your community um out there yeah i would just echo that as well um sadly divorce is an epidemic and and not just divorce you know the breakdown of any significant relationship it might be a cohabiting couple it might be a couple that have broken off their engagement um it has such a, a difficult effect. I mean, Eric talked about the fact earlier that, um, you know, it can be the worst thing that happens in somebody's life. And we all know somebody, whether it's at church, at the school gate, um, in your, your clubs and things that you go to in your circle of friends. Sadly, we all know somebody who is affected by this. So give them the, the website, www.restoredlives.org. Get them to go to, to, go to that website um, and they'll find all the details of um, the course, uh, the book and the other resources that we have available there. Awesome. Thank you both from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, it's been phenomenal just hearing about the work and obviously getting to connect with you both virtually online. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Pleasure. Abigail. That's Thank great. you. And I cannot you know, champion enough as well as cheer everything on that's been said today, dear ladies and gentlemen. Whether it is yourself or your neighbour, perhaps a close friend who you know is experiencing a little bit of um, tension or trauma in their relationship, please do share this episode with them. And in addition, do get in contact with the ministry, restoredlives.org, or the information will be on the show notes. Because as um, I believe it was Eric that said that what they are doing is providing a bridge over troubled waters. And even if you don't need it today, you just don't know when there will come a time when you will want to reach out to some loving, caring individuals um, who will just take you by the hand, just like Jesus would do, because he came so that the brokenhearted may be healed. I'll catch you same time, same place next week. Until then, stay safe. God bless. Thank you for listening to Unshakable Stories, Unshakable Truths. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe and grace us with a rate and a review. If you would like to feature on the show or you wish to recommend someone, please drop us a line. UnshakableStories2020 at gmail.com or reach out to us online. We will connect with you again next week, same time, same place. Until then, God bless.